Amen. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Eric will pass one out. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. It wasn't too long ago, maybe about a month ago. Amy and I have this little, I don't know what color this is, but it's kind of bright, right? We have this little journal here. And what we do with this is I bought it for our 20th anniversary. So um, sometimes people are writing things better than saying things. Does anyone like that? And sometimes it's just easier to, to write it. I don't know why than say it. So I kind of started this little tradition in our home between Amy and I. If I wrote a note, I put it on her side of the bedside, and then she can read it, and then she writes me a note and puts it back. So what we do is we pass it back and forth. So maybe it would help you. It definitely has been an encouragement to us. And um, sometimes it's just easier to maybe if God showed us something or reflected or and get crazy, sometimes I glue pictures and props in it too. Um, But it wasn't too long ago that she felt that God gave me a verse, and she wrote it in this this little book. It was something that Jesus said in his word, and I've been thinking about that verse for a long time, and I just wanted to share a little bit about it today, and it's actually found in the scripture I told you in Luke chapter 12, and she wrote it, and it just made me think, God, why would you want to speak that verse to me? What put it on her heart to write that verse? And then maybe it's one that you've known before. It's one that I might have heard, but maybe I didn't think about too much. And it's in Luke twelve thirty two, and it says this, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. How many have heard that verse before? Probably many of you. And I thought of that verse for a little bit. And sometimes when someone gives you a verse, you think about the verse. But it might be a good thing to look at the context of the verse as well. Amen? Because <laughs> a lot of people can pull verses out like I do. And it doesn't have the context. So a couple of weeks ago, I started looking at the whole chapter. And I want to read it to you. And what a wonderful application it has for us today. It says this, Jesus, we are talking about the words of Jesus, and so they're pretty much all in red today. He, being Jesus, said to his disciples in verse 22, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Or how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? 
And do not seek what you should eat, nor what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. And then verse 32, our verse. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, we don't want to leave everything out. It would be easy to leave verse 33 out, but... Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart also will be. Now, sometimes the words of Jesus are very difficult. We've been saying that in this series, but it doesn't get any easier, folks, okay? Um, I think all of us could say in some manner of another in our life, we have struggled with a little bit of worrying or anxiety, maybe fear. Maybe you've conquered all of that and you never worry. Praise the Lord. Show us the way. (laughs) But I think we all practically at some point can say, yeah, at some point in my life, I have worried about something. I have been anxious about something. I have feared something. And I would say, probably as in this culture, they had to worry about where their next meal came from. They didn't live in a prosperous culture probably as much as we did, the average person. So when Jesus is saying this, the reason he's saying don't worry about what you eat and don't worry about what you wear is because they were worried about what meal is coming next, and what food they would have. I would change that for us. I think different things cause us to worry. But I would say probably what he's talking about in regards to external things are what cause us to worry. Do we have enough? Do we have enough? Is our next few days set out? Are relationships going the way they're supposed to go? How's it going at work? Maybe we worry about our kids. Maybe we worry about our parents. Maybe we worry if they're doing the right thing, if they will have enough. Well, I have enough, but I'm worried about my kids or whatever it is. But there are many things that cause us to really be anxious and get on the wheel in our head and just turn things over and over and over again. And truly, they are external things. And as much as we don't talk about wanting your money in church here, I will tell you that money causes a lot of despair and worry in our lives. And I will say that we need to be careful. And the words of Jesus here really set us free. And even if it's not money or external things, he does say in verse 26... Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious for what's next. Don't be anxious for things. Don't be anxious to how things are going to work out. And truly, he is saying to trust him and to seek the kingdom of God above all these things and the rest will be added to you. And we know that verse, right? Seek ye first the kingdom. We all learned it in Sunday school, didn't we? But then the reality of living it in our minds is very difficult. 
Am I alone or do I hear an amen? amen? Yeah, it's right. So as you get to this verse in verse 32, I find it fascinating that he would put this verse here. And the first question I had is, what is the kingdom? Because it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Is that all these external things? What is the kingdom? Is the kingdom just heaven? Because is he saying, just grin and bear it and get through? Because I'm going to give you heaven. And there you have everything you need. And he does talk about in the next verse, you know, that we need to build our treasure in eternity. But what truly is the kingdom of God. And I started asking myself that question, what is the kingdom of God? Is it simply heaven? Is it our destination? Is it a place? And I think the reality of that answer is no. It's not a place. Is it heaven? Yes. Is it heaven? Not necessarily. The reality is the kingdom is a place where a king rules, right? That's it. So the kingdom of God is the kingdom where God and Jesus rule in perfection. So that's not a place, right? That's almost a position that we take in the reality that in heaven we know that will be perfect because there will be no sin or pain. And the reality is here on earth is that Jesus isn't ruling completely yet, right? We know that Satan, until he comes and judges, has a domain to rule as a prince of evil. But when Jesus comes back again, he's going to set everything in order. Now, I'm not going to get into eschatology and end times and the millennium and what, like, is that when? Or is it the switch to heaven? Um, We're not here to look at that, but I would just tell you very clearly that a kingdom needs a king. It's interesting if you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17 with me, because Jesus talks a little bit more about this and can give us insight for some simple application. In verse... 29 of chapter 17, Jesus really answers the Pharisees in regard to the coming of the kingdom. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, man. In the Greek, the word and maybe the cross-reference in your Bible to how that sounds, it might sound like this. See, the kingdom of God is among you. So what is he saying? Every kingdom needs a king. Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is among you. And who is in their midst? He was. Jesus was. So at that point, he can't say the kingdom of God is within them, but he could say the kingdom of God is among you because I am here and I am the king. Now it's interesting because we actually can say the kingdom of God is within us now because we know in John 14, when he ascended, the Holy Spirit came and he made it very clear that I will dwell in you 
and make abode in you, and I will live in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this Jesus who was among them now lives in us. So the reality is the kingdom of God in perfection is yet to come because the devil lives on earth. But the kingdom of God, if Jesus rules and reigns in your heart, lives in you and his kingdom is in you. I find it amazing when you look back because it says it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So that verse is saying all these external things And Jesus is saying, listen, fear not. God wants to give you the kingdom. He wants Jesus to rule and reign in your life, which will create everything you need and want in here. To take that a little further and to understand it maybe to help us with the kingdom, knowing now that he lives within us if we're a believer in Jesus Christ, In Romans chapter 14, they're talking about drinking and eating as well and what they can drink and not drink. And Paul is correcting them a bit because they're saying, well, I can't hang out with this person because they drink or I can't be with this person because they're eating things sacrificed to idols. And he brings up this whole idea of the kingdom of God as well. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17. So it would be good to look at that. Where he says this, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now think about that for a second. When Jesus is ruling and reigning in your life, what will happen? You will have what? Righteousness. Peace and joy. I don't know if you've ever experienced that as you walk with the Lord, but if you're not ruling and He is ruling, what He does is He gives you all of these things, which is what you want in the first place, and that's why you want comfort financially, because you think it'll give you peace. You think it'll give you joy. Well, if that relationship is going well, this external thing, well, then I'll have peace. Has anyone ever thought that? If my kids would do the right thing, then I'll have peace. If I'll just have the right retirement, then I'll have joy. If I have a swimming pool, then I'll be okay. Or a new car, a new house, or new clothes. Or if I can go out to eat, because we're looking at other people and we're desiring this peace and joy, but we believe even in Christianity that it comes from external things. But they cause us to worry and they never give us peace and joy. And they certainly can't give us righteousness. And so he says, no, if Jesus is reigning in you and the Holy Spirit is living within you, then the byproduct of that will be righteousness, peace, and joy. And we know right off the bat, because we know our Bibles, if we believe in Jesus Christ, he takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. So the moment you believe in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you, God sees you as righteous. Woo! Amen! Like, is that your identity? You're no longer a sinner. And we've talked about that a lot here at Northgate. But the idea is, oh, I need to be more righteous. I need to be more righteous. Scripture says, if Jesus through the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are righteous. 
But yet we try in our own strength. Now follow me, and then when we don't do it, what happens? We don't have peace, and we don't have joy. Because I'm not doing enough, because it's all about me. But no, if Jesus lives in you, and he's reigning, and not my effort, and not my ability, I am righteous. And he gives me peace. Because we know in the Psalms it says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So as the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus is ruling and reigning me, the fruit is joy. Well, I thought I needed things to have joy. I thought I needed to have a good marriage to have joy. I thought I needed my kids to behave to have joy. I thought we needed a better pastor to have joy. Whatever you want to say, whatever's external. But Jesus says, no, when I'm reigning and I am Lord of your life, in my presence as you abide in me is the fullness of joy. Peace, what about peace? He is our peace. You know your Bibles, Ephesians, what does it say? Jesus is our peace. He's broken down the middle wall of separation. Sin and not dealing with sin. We have conviction. We no longer can have peace. But he says, I've done it all and you have peace now because of Jesus. Amen. The kingdom of God is in you Because Jesus Christ is in you. But the question this morning is, who's sitting on the throne of your life? Who's ruling and reigning? Because if you think you are, you'll never have peace and joy. And you'll be full of worry and anxiousness. Jesus created With God, us, he knows how we're made. And if we do things to create this in ourselves, it only creates anxiety and fear. And you know it's well said. Half the stuff you worry about never happens. The worry about the finances never is in reality. And usually if you're a believer, God has a plan. But if it's not in your time, but he would say to us, listen, I don't want you to worry about external things. But I want you to know you have the kingdom within you. Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. Understand this too. Sometimes we have a wrong picture of God the Father. You know that? Jesus is the nice guy, and he's the bad guy. Jesus comes and helps us up, and he's always angry. He's the one who wants to take from us. He wants to send us where we don't want to go. Isn't that the judging God? And we don't see the other half of God, but God in the scripture, as much as he's seen as righteous and perfect and judging, as seen as giving and loving for God so loved the world what did he do he gave he gave God in the New Testament is always seen as giving follow along he gave his son it says in Luke he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask 
He gives good gifts to his children because he is a good father. And I think it's amazing in this verse when we're worried about all these things and how we can have peace and joy if we know where our next meal or clothes or whatever it is for us will come from. And he's saying, no, it's God's good pleasure to give you the peace and joy you want by giving you the kingdom of God. He's not withholding it from you. He's not like, oh, I just want to make you a better person. You can't have peace. No. But that's how we view God. Unfortunately, we've taken part of his character and forgot the other part. But the reality, it says, it's his good pleasure. In the Greek, it says, it gives him happiness to give you righteousness, joy, and peace. That's God today. He doesn't have his spank stick. He's not always thinking about how bad you are. What he's saying to you is, I am happy to give you what you really need. Now, if you're a parent, or someday you will, there is no greater joy than to give your children what they need. It's not like, oh, I know you need it. I'm not going to give it to you. I know I have the answer, but too bad. Why do we do that? Why do we give our kids what they need? Why is our heart to bless our kids? Because we what? We love them. So why is it with God that we would think that he would withhold righteousness, joy, and peace in our life? It is something he wants to lavish upon us. I didn't talk about extra clothes. I didn't talk about bigger houses. I didn't talk about more security. Because God knows as a good father, they will never satisfy you to have true peace and joy. Well, if I never had problems at work, if my kids behaved, I would have joy. No, you wouldn't. Because it would be something else that would be missing. Isn't that the way it is with those who have much money? Only a little bit more. Only this. Only that. Only if. And you can go on forever and ever because in your own strength and ability, you will never find true peace and joy. It only comes in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. The question in today, as Christians, sometimes we kind of slip Jesus off the throne as Lord of our life. And we hop on that seat and we do our best to find these things. And weeks ago I said, sometimes we need a little alignment to put him back in his rightful place and say, God, your way is the best way. And I simply want to abide in you and make you Lord of my life. I want to tell you in conclusion, truly we are a little flock. He's speaking of sheep. I was just speaking to someone the other day and they're like, I think it was Mike. I don't like sheep. Sheep are dumb, but I keep them because they teach me about God. That's what he said. Sheep do the dumbest things, and they have no strength. Folks, that's us. (laughs) That's why we're called sheep. We need a shepherd. Amen? We need him to rule and reign and lead us to green pastures, because in our own strength, we can't find the way. And the only way 
to release fear is to put Jesus on the throne of your life every single day. And you might say, well, I did that when I was 16. Well, praise the Lord. Every day he needs to get back up, but we need to give him permission. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness, his love, his joy, by putting him in command of your life. Because all he wants to do is give, give, give. Not so you would be rich and comfortable, but so that you truly would have peace and joy. Worrying is not acceptable in the kingdom of God. We have made it acceptable in Christianity. We have made fear acceptable in Christianity. But God says over and over, do not fear and do not be anxious and do not worry. They're not like optional things. They're actually, as we heard, a command, commands. And in Philippians, Paul says the same thing. Do not be anxious about... Let's try that again. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, some things are okay to worry about, right, Pastor? Well, let's go to the red letters. Do not have an anxious spirit. But you have to trust in what Jesus said and not to fear knowing he is good and it is his pleasure if you allow his kingdom to rule and reign to give you exactly what you want. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have joy. And whether you're in this room and you're 13 or 10 or you're 85 It doesn't matter. Amen? So maybe this morning you are struggling with worry. Maybe you are struggling with anxiety. And maybe you are struggling with fear. Let's listen carefully. Do not fear, little flock. That's you and that's me. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for the amazing picture you give us of who God is. Thank you, God, for your love, for your righteousness, for your perfection, for your discipline. Thank you that you are a giving God. You don't hold anything back. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come into this room even in a greater way as we speak, that you would drive your truth home into our lives. And Lord, I confess my own fear to you, my fear of people, my worrying at times of what they might think for my own comfort and for my own convenience. Lord Jesus, may I and may we 
truly understand who you are. And may we allow the one who is with us to rule and reign in us. May we this morning receive your righteousness again. May we abide in your spirit and produce your love and your peace and your joy. Holy Spirit, work in our lives now. If there's anything we need to let go of, any fear we need to let go of, any worry we need to let go of, may we fear not to trust you in this moment. What is it? May we truly trust you. God, would you rule? We desire just to receive receive you today again and again and again. I'm going to celebrate communion this morning as we usually do, thinking of Jesus, thinking of God and how he loved us so much that he sent Jesus, thinking of Jesus and his obedience, his death on the cross, which has set us free, which has given us all righteousness as we believe in who he is, as we make him Lord of our lives. So this morning, the elements are in the back. I would just encourage you to worship the Lord, to love him, to receive his love. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't make sense that you would take communion because you don't believe in what you're doing. But maybe this morning, this has struck a chord with you. Maybe you truly haven't received Christ to rule and reign in your life, to believe in him and accept and receive his forgiveness. Thus you would be righteous. You can today in this moment, simply by believing with your heart, confessing with your mouth, that Jesus died and rose again and making him Lord. You could do that right now. Because it's his pleasure to give you the kingdom. If that's you in your own life, just in your own heart, call out to him. God, I love you. I believe in you. I trust you. Lord, maybe some of us have put ourselves on the throne and are worrying. May we come back to truth, come back to you, and enjoy your perfect kingship in our lives. We're going to remember you this morning. The elements are in the back. We're going to worship together. Quietly, respectfully, as you're thinking of Jesus, you may retrieve the elements and come back to your seat and hold on to them, and we'll partake together after the song. Let's worship Jesus together.